Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back. I'm Leah, and I'm joined by Bonnie and Katie and Amy, and we are talking about our one cool explorer gal. So Bonnie already talked about Cecilia Payne, and Katie already talked about Isabella Bird, and Amy talked about the bathysphere gals. <laughs> I just like saying it that way now. It's like Tajay. <laughs> the, the bathysphere. I know, right? Uh, so, but before we dive back in, and after oh! talking about the bathysphere... It feels so appropriate. Uh, let's get to know something random about our gal pals. So I want to know if you could travel back in time and be the first to see something, what would you go back in time to see discovered? Dun, dun, dun. There's like the pyramids. There's like the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> There's uh, Pompeii exploding. That sounds like a dangerous one. It does. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, no <laughs> so I figured it was a safe option to like put out there <laughs> to be like, no one will pick Pompeii. <laughs> and then Bonnie's like, Pompeii. <laughs> yeah. You're thinking about it. You're like, man, yeah. possibly. I don't know about discover. I always wanted to go and see witness. Uh, Sojourner's Truce anti-woman speech. Yes, that's true. But in particular, because like the history keeps painting her as having like a southern accent, right? Broken dialect like, or something like. Yeah, they're applying ignorance um, is what they're trying to. Yeah, apply. to her when she was like not. I don't know. Trying to attach a, like a stereotype to mm-hmm. her, she was. She was highly educated. A slave in the north. In, <laughs> yeah, in the north when she was raised. Well, not. I don't know if raise is the right word, but with right. a, what was it? A Dutch family? Right. So she had, so she had an accent and like, I'd really want to like hear yeah. that. See, I get that. That would be a discovery. <laughs> discovery. I like it. What about you ladies? Where are we going? <laughs> In Matardis. <laughs> I mean, he did go to Pompeii. He did. I remember that episode. Uh, the other doctor was in that episode. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, we're geeking out there for a second That's on Doctor okay. Who. I can go if Katie needs yeah, to think. Go. Katie has the look of I need more time. <laughs> yes. My first gut instinct was dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Oh, I see oh, dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. <laughs> yes, true. But also, um, I watched that documentary on where Joanna Lumley was trying to find the source of the Nile. Oh, mm. yes. And I know she's not Patsy, <laughs> but in my head, oh, she's, right. she's Patsy. She's Patsy. And I want to be uh, her. I, I want to be her Adina <laughs> as we find the source of the Nile. <laughs> this is awesome. This That's is true. I love Ab-Pab. I know. And, I, and it, she's not Patsy right. in the documentary, right. but I don't care. It's, in my head, she's got the high hair. Uh-huh. We're in our La darling. <laughs> and we're, we're, yes. we're complaining and finding the Nile. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Right. I don't know if I have one. Gotcha. Dang. Discoveries. Discoveries. I know, exactly. 
I'm just not much of an adventurer. Gotcha. I'm just going to live vicariously through all of our, our ladies. There you go. <laughs> yes, exactly. Go find the things. I'm tell me about the things. Pompeii, right. Dangerous. Dinosaurs is <laughs> yeah, that's why it's like, well, See? no, I changed my mind already. See, the the person who uh, invented the first sauna. <laughs> I will say, I don't know if I can like pick a particular historical moment, mm-hmm. um, but I would love to see, you know, Indiana of a hundred years ago. Oh, mm-hmm. there you and go. I've lived here my whole life. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've gone over to Connor Prairie, but what would it really look like? Right. Like, empty. Like, with yes, the, yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, there you the go. The house I live in in Noblesville was built in... Um, 1890s so maybe i just go back to you know the old good old barn raisin of my house right <laughs> there you go that's a historical like. yeah discovery i can see that yeah. i like what it what about yours i want to know why and how these damn pyramids were made it's always bothered oh, me yeah. there's so many different philosophies and different reasonings and it seems like every year i'm watching a new national geographic documentary with josh about another thing that they've discovered about the pyramids oh i would love to be there like before they're all raided and everything like that mm. and kind of uh be the earlier 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 discoveries like when they're making them (laughs) of the actual pyramids because i think there's so much lord that we put on them that is our perception that i think Mm. we're missing something so i think it could be even more fantastical than what we think it is but also it could be very basic like they thought that houses made in triangles were sturdier (laughs) you know what i mean like maybe we're wrong but I would want to know. And that has nothing to do with my gal at all. <laughs> I love it when they tie in, but they don't always tie in. But this one, uh, my gal, it does tie in a little bit to what I talked about last month because I am a little bit on an obsession mm-hmm. with Tibetan Buddhism right now. <laughs> I mean, granted, I've been a Buddhist for the last 30 years and I started with Tibetan Buddhism. But at the same time, it is what I talked about last time with the Daikinis. So it's not too far away. But I'm still in Tibet. So I'm in that area. And I looked at so many awesome female explorers. There were so many different ways to go down. Um, I knew that we were kind of doing the oceans. We were doing outer space. Mm -hmm. We were doing um, travels all around the globe. I thought, she'll be inner space. So this is kind of the inner space a little bit of that one. And what are four powers combined? Exactly. We are Captain Planet. So I'm going to talk about the first Western woman to ever reach Lhasa, Tibet, is who I'm going Mm. to talk about. Her name is Alexandra David Neal, and I have her fabulous book right here, My Journey to Lhasa. It's so amazing, but it is very, it's very dry. Um, It does read like diary entries, I will tell you. Mm. She does not flower anything up. (laughs) It's just, we went here, we saw this, we talked to this person, you know. So Mm. it's fascinating, but it is a lot of names and dates and places and stuff like that. But her travel is, you know, death-defying. So she also got a few nicknames throughout history besides the uh, first Western woman to reach Lhasa. She was known as the first Buddhist of France. Uh, Mm -hmm. She was known as the White Lama. You know, because she's white. 
Not the white devil. Uh, not the white devil. Well, maybe by others. <laughs> uh, she was known as the great sage. And she was also the inspiration to the beat generation. So like hmm. Kerouac and Ginsburg and Alan Watts actually read her books um, about uh, Buddhism and actually hmm. learned Buddhism a lot through um, Alexandria. And I also loved the beat generation. I went through this obsession of like, leave your favorite Kerouac poem on my answering machine. Like that was my thing for a while. <laughs> but back to Alexandria. She was born in 1868 and she lived in the suburbs of Paris. So uh, she was an only child um, and her parents were very interesting. They were also not super rich, but they were comfortable in the suburbs of France. Uh, her father was a French Huguenot. Sorry, I just love saying it. French Huguenots, which basically are Calvinists. Uh, and her mother was Roman Catholic. So her parents came from different faiths. Um, they were very active in the French Revolution and they believed in anarchy. So this is where this girl gets to have different ideas and it's totally okay to be the first Buddhist in France. (laughs) Uh, She first ran away at the age of two. (laughs) She then ran away again at the age of 15. She said both times she was running away to quote, find her own tree. (laughs) You can't really argue with it, but when you're two, you kind of can. Um, as a teenager, she became really deeply interested in all religions. So she studied Catholicism and Christianity, Greek philosophy, Egyptian beliefs, the Kabbalah, Islam, and Buddhism. And she's written a lot of books about them, so you can figure out her attitudes towards all of them. She does not cloak them <laughs> of what she thinks of other religions. It's quite interesting. Uh, at age 20, she became a Freemason. Like you do. There was not too many women in Freemasonry, but her father was a Freemason. So that was her way in. But she also attended meetings at the Theological Society. And at 21, I mean, who does anything super monumental at 21? She decided to commit herself to the Buddhist faith and she would remain a Buddhist for the rest of her 80 years. Uh, So for the sake of time, I'm going to jump to when she's 30 because she does a lot of stuff. Uh, actually, 36. So when she's 36, she gets married. Kind of. Kind of. And she leaves him. Kind of. Um, so she marries Philip Neal. That's where we get the Alexandra David Neal. Um, he has social respectability. He has money. Uh, he has kind of a title. But also, he loves her independence. And she loves to go away. (laughs) So um, this helps Alexandra not look like a spinster or anything like that as she's going and traveling. Because no, 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 she's got a husband. He's totally fine with this. Um, She also now has financial security to a certain extent. Um, But there is something very meaningful between them because they write letters to each other almost like every day until the day he dies. So they are very connected um, in their marriage. Now, some of the sites, like you were talking about how YouTube will say one thing and then another site will say. So YouTube says seven days they were married. It was seven years. (laughs) Seven days, seven years is how long they were actually married. But they like, again, they wrote letters to each other back and forth. Um, But one thing was very true. She needed to explore. She said, quote, I crave to go beyond the garden gate to follow the road that passed by and to set out for the unknown. So she's like, oh, that's lovely. Mm -hmm. So she traveled to Japan, Korea, and China 
And she went multiple times to India and multiple times to Tibet as well. So I'll focus on her first trip to Tibet, which was in 1916. And I will lightly cover Tibet because it's a whole weird, wonky little thing. So um, (laughs) especially at the time in 1916, it was like even weirder in 1916. So the region of Tibet is in between India and China. And it's right on the Himalayan mountains. So the Himalayan mountains almost kind of like protect it in a way. Um, It's where Mount Everest is too. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where people really want to get there, but it's really high and it's really dangerous. Uh, the ruler of Tibet is the Dalai Lama, which you've probably heard of in some way, shape or form, the Dalai Lama. Uh, when the Dalai Lama dies, he is reincarnated as a child somewhere in Tibet and he is found by the Panchen Lama. A good way to explain this is basically an amazing game of reincarnation hide and seek that they have done 14 times. <laughs> mm. So we're on the 14th Dalai Lama is the one you've probably seen and familiar with. Uh, but that's the way that it works. Um, at the time of Alexandra's trip, we're talking about the 13th Dalai Lama. So we're talking about the one right before the one you're familiar with. Um, Tibet was off limits to all foreigners. Uh, didn't matter if you were Mongolian, Japanese, Chinese, Indian, American, British, French. No, no other people but Tibetans were allowed in Tibet. Uh, part of the reason why Tibet and Fa- and China were fighting so many times over that area um, at the time when Alexandra was kind of like planning her journeys and stuff like that. There was the Chinese Revolution in 1911 And the Chinese were actually escorted out of Tibet. So it was this big thing of China, you know, going, okay, fine. We won't invade anymore. Spoilers, they come back in 1950 and it's (laughs) ugly. It's so bad. But so at the time that we're talking about, Tibet had control of its own country. And that doesn't normally happen. (laughs) They're usually fighting off somebody at all times. Um, So when uh, Alexandra explored it and when she writes about it, that Tibet doesn't exist anymore. Like she was kind of the last one really to document it and to bring it out because in the 1950s, the Dalai Lama that, you know, the 14th one was uh, run out and exiled into India. So it's a nice little bit to have a history of it, but it's also kind of weird. So from my reading of the book and having this kind of background of studying Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism of the last 30 years, uh, there are many things that you can kind of learn about a faith, but after a while, you kind of have to experience it. And that's where she was at with the, I have to go to Lhasa. I've been reading about this, but there's so many like rituals and beliefs and just questions that only somebody who has been in Lhasa their entire life can answer. So she's like, I've just got to go. Uh, So she was compelled like a crazy woman to go to the Forbidden City, where she was probably called a white devil. Um, So, But she also says this multiple times in her book. She wanted to show them what a woman could do. She really wanted a woman to make it to Lhasa. It was a big deal. Uh, Men have made it to Lhasa, but she was like, no, they don't count. A woman's going to do it. Uh, It took her 14 years (laughs) to get to Lhasa after her first adventure. So so her first trip was to Sikkim, India, kind of on the, the border there. She befriended the crown prince. 
you know, this girl's got skills. I'm just saying. So she befriends the crown prince. Then years later, she meets with the 13th Dalai Lama, who is exiled in Kuala Lumpur in India. And she was very welcomed by the 13th Dalai Lama. And he told her, learn Tibetan. So she did. <laughs> uh, that same year, she went to Lachen, uh, which was in India. And she studied with one of the great rulers in Kazi Dawi Sundrup. I'm so proud I can say it. Mm. Um, but she reler- she got a religious name. So she became Lamp of the Sangjess, which means Lamp of Wisdom and Good Sense, Noble Mindedness and, and Wit. So she became mm. a Lama after meeting the Crown Prince and the Dalai Lama, right? So she's like, I've got all these freaking credentials. <laughs> let, let me in, in. Lhasa. Please, please let me in. So the help of her guru and the crown prince, uh, she would go on more expeditions, all very close to Tibet. (laughs) And, you know, but not quite getting there too far. On one of her journeys, uh, she met a 15-year-old monk named Yongden, and she adopted him as her son. So he was a Tibetan monk who was in India at the time who knew Tibetan and was a Lama. And they would travel together, actually, for the rest of their lives as well. Uh, This does really help (laughs) because he's Tibetan and he speaks Tibetan. She's learning it as well. Mm -hmm. But as far as for traveling, it was also very helpful, too. Um, In 1916, without any permission from any government... (laughs) She left for Tibet. (laughs) She's like, I'm just going to (laughs) go. She got an honorary title before she left as a Lama and as a Tibetan doctor. So she's got these credentials now when she's in country. Uh, She would return from Tibet. um, uh, When she was returned from Tibet, she was going to be deported because she broke the law. So basically, she just kind of like went right over the the barrier <laughs> and it was like right there. And she's like, no, I'm totally okay to be here. And they went, nope, you're deported. So they go and they arrest her. They try to deport her. But World War One was going on and they couldn't deport her back to Paris because that was mm. kind of being bombed at the time. Uh, so she left for Japan and then Korea and then China and then Gobi and then Mongolia. So basically she went around town. (laughs) So now she's at the other side of Tibet and she's like, let's try Lhasa again. (laughs) So now she's going to try Lhasa again. It's 1924. Uh, Her and Youngden, her adopted son, they dress up as, he dresses up as a monk. She dresses up as a crazy beggar mother. Like she's got these different chants she's going to do that is kind of like, and then like, he's like, yeah, my mother's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, don't pay attention to crazy mother. Like it's a whole thing they're doing. It really is. But this is their only plan because the papers didn't work. So they're traveling on foot at night because she's a white lady. Um, through all of these different, uh, rolling rapids, they survive a snow leopard, um, starvation, robbers. I mean, like you name it, they survive it going through this pilgrimage. So they arrive at Lhasa during one of the festivals and they try Mm. to blend in. This is starting to sound like a terrible James Bond movie, (laughs) but they're trying to like blend in during this festival and they get to stay for like two months. So for two months, yes, somehow they're blending in. 
blending. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does have charcoal and cocoa on her face. I was just mm. gonna. She is doing a terrible blackface impression because um, the Tibetan women, especially Tibetan women, are very dark tan. It's it's very high elevation country, and also it's just everybody lives outside, so you just your melanin mm. is like rich so yeah so she's got blackface on while she's doing this all the time which is also questionable um but she would be the first western woman to enter lhasa and that is what uh her book is about um she would actually live to be 101 years old and it was said that she renewed her passport the week before she died that she was mm-hmm. ready to go on like another trip. Mm-hmm. Um, she did exhibitions all around the world and she wrote books about them. She wrote 30 different books, not all Good. of them about an expedition, but she wrote 30 different books, that one being her most famous. So, uh, but yeah, her books influenced the beat generation. Uh, Allen B- Ginsberg was the one who kind of found her books first. Uh, he shared them with Jack Kerouac. Um, and then Alan Watts, if you've ever listened to any of his stories, he does a lot of studies of Asian um, religions and theories and things like that and uh, Jungian type philosophies. And so he discovered her, I would say, almost at the same time as the Beat Generation. But Alan Watts has some cross pollination sort of thing like that. I love Alan Watts's voice. That's why I just bring that one up. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. But yeah, so that is my first Western woman to get into Lhasa. Not the most noble way to do it, but, you know, got to get it done, right? She had to do what she had to do. I mean, I don't think she had to do all of it, like, but at the same time, uh, I felt very much a kinship where, like, I get it. You're going a little too far, but I get it that you really want to go. Oh, oh, I should say also the introduction has a foreword by the current Dalai Lama. And he very much thanks her for letting the world know about Lhasa uh, because even though they were so like, this is our stay away, foreigners keep out, they were also missing out on sharing their wisdom with the world and sharing their compassion with the rest of the world. And when they needed help, like he did, the world didn't know they would need help and we Mm -hmm. couldn't help them until he was already, you know, driven out of the country. So he was very thankful uh, for her journey and for telling the story and to be like what she talks about doesn't exist anymore so yeah, yeah. it's interesting wow. and this was almost a book club book wasn't it it was yeah look yeah. at that i think we would have hated it during book club though because uh, <laughs> it, it's dry yeah. that's the thing you know i've got investment in it because yeah. of studies so i know the places but oh it's dry <laughs> <laughs> oh, <goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no chapters there's a part one part two and part three uh, yeah. Mm. That looked pretty vague. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, he book club at about half an inch. Yes, that's a good, good idea there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but if anybody's interested in the history of Tibet and Lhasa in the 1920s, I would highly suggest it because it's worth it for study. So, Very yes. cool. Did you guys have any questions? She is awesome. She's questionably Mm -hmm. awesome. (laughs) She's got some some rough edges. Yes, exactly. Nobody's perfect. What is it? Poe Buddy's nerfect? (laughs) (laughs) And what was the status of Nepal at the time? Um, Good question. It didn't sound like she went there, so I didn't know. Not so much. Yeah. She went to India a lot, but it sounded like it was the, you know, like more of the southern border, uh, southwestern border. Yeah, and 
Nepal's so tiny, but it yes. is tucked in between. It is. And so I didn't even, like, was, did it exist? Like, I, I don't know the history, I don't know yeah. history well enough to I'm know. also trying to remember when Hillary did his first uh, Mount Everest climb, mm-hmm. because most of the mm. Mount Everest stuff is through Nepal. Yes. So That's it why I was... wouldn't have opened up until that, which I thought was the 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. So, I just wasn't sure, like, what the status was. And right. Just that it wasn't mentioned. I was, yes. was that even harder to get into than to, <laughs> to get through? Did it even It wasn't, yeah, it yeah. wasn't the way to get in. Let me put it that yeah. way. Because there was no mention of even the possibility of mm-hmm. going through Nepal. And nobody was in exile in Nepal either, which is very odd because that's Hmm. generally where they all kind of went in exile after. So my guess is either there was a skirmish going on at the time and Uh I can check it up for show notes um, or just it wasn't the uh, business epic that it was now. Yes. Because now it's, you know, you want to climb to Mount Everest, you know. yeah. (laughs) It's full of trash. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but Tibetans get a really good job of bringing people up to a mountain and being like, ha ha, mannequins. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I climb this mountain every day. I, that's what I, I always thought, like a tiny little sidebar, they always talk about, oh, how amazing it is to climb Mount Everest. And I'm like, yeah. And, and the people who are carrying your baggage going up and down and up and down multiple times a day. They've done it too. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. First so. person to climb. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Was it though? <laughs> right, exactly. Sweet. All right, should I wrap it up? Are we explored out? Do we need a vacation from our vacation? <laughs> I know I usually need a vacation from my vacation. My goodness gracious. All right. Let me find my page. Oh, please tell me I didn't throw away my page. Oh, no. Yes. Let me have yours because I don't know where my final clothes went as I dropped that. Like, All right. Well, that wraps it up for this month. Covering Explorer Gals. Join us next Monday as we prepare our long jump for the Tokyo Olympics and talk about fantastic female Olympians. Thank you for listening. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Gals Guide patron today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>